All right, it's DT Systems, dog tested and dog tough. You know, we like that dog in them, baby. We've been using the H2O1820. Over the last several months, we've been playing with this unit. Our friends at Standing Stone Kennels, Ethan and Kat, they've been using it for years, and we've been playing with it. We really like it. I think for the dog trainer, the hunter, and the guy or gal who's training their dog to get ready for duck season, we'll really enjoy the 1820. Super reliable, super consistent, great unit for you and your dogs. H2O1820. Dog tested. Dog. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me. I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack. Easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff. Easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel Food Crate, slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. All right, our number one asked question is revolving around force fetch. Whether your dog drops the bumper or duck at the edge of the water, or you failed a few hunt tests because the dog monkeys with the birds or won't pick up a bird, let me help you help your dog. Bunch of different breeds, bunch of different personalities, start to finish teaching you how to do it. Links in the description. All right, what's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode uh, of Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles. It's me and Kevin tonight. I'm excited to spend a little time with you and talk to you about my Oklahoma Texas road trip with the DO Double G's. Nice little getaway for us. Worked on a side project business wise that I'm excited to share with you all. It's probably hindsight 2020. I didn't know how hard this was going to be. So it's probably going to be a year out, but we're working on a training drills, concepts, humor, dog training book. So stay tuned for that. But I got a bunch of it done. I hunted a bunch. Dogs did well. Bush light were drank. Old nubby, the buck deer was eaten. It was fun. But uh, the project is exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I just know that now I know that it takes way longer to do this kind of thing than just saddling up and doing it. Um, let's get into sponsors here, buds. Do me a favor. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Join the community. Join our happy hours. That's where you can ask one-on-one -on -one questions. That's where you can get a piece of the old Lone D and hang out with me. So patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. It's like buying me and Kevin a beer to, uh, to get a little one-on-one -on -one time, different tiers. It's fun. It's a great community. We appreciate it. Uh, next up, Christmas is coming round the bend, baby. So if you or your hubby or wifey or boyfriend or girlfriend or mom and dad want to get you a little something, something, head over to LoneDuckOutfitters.com, get you a hat, a hoodie, you know, a little something, maybe a dog to a 1900S, or if you got a little bit of a barker, you can get that bark collar, the YS600. 
Um, and also, as you know, our force fetch course came out, which has been getting great reviews and I appreciate everybody who's jumped on there and joined and, you know, learning and growing and building. It's uh, it's been a passion project of mine for a while and I'm proud of it. So if you'd like that for Christmas, push this link to your wifey, your hubby, your mommy, your daddy, and say, put it under the Christmas tree for me, Santa. Uh, that would be www.loneduck.podia forward slash force fetch. I think if you just Google it, you'll find it too. But anyways, we appreciate you. Next up, from the duck blind to the holding blind is Purina, baby. It's the food that fuels the truck of Lone Duck. We feed that 3020 into our little baby puppies. We feed that large breed puppy. Purina Pro Plan. Get some. Next up, Standing Stone Kennels. These are our friends, Kat and Ethan. Uh, extremely good friends of ours here at Lone Duck, and they've got a supply store, standingstonesupply.com. So anything you need to train a, a duck dog, to train a pointing dog, they've got it. Check them out at standingstonesupply.com. Next up, Man's Best Kennel. You know what it is, Gunner Kennel, baby. It's the kennel that when we're rolling down the road and it hits a fam, I want to make sure my dogs are safe. And that would be in a gunner kennel. No better time than now to ask for a gunner kennel for Christmas or whatever holiday you support. <laughs> Next up, Dr. E Collars, uh, making every dog exceptional or excellent. I can't remember, but either way, it's the collar that's on my dog's neck and in my back pocket or in my hand every single day of my life. I feel like, um, I love to hunt with a 1900 S, but I also use the edge RT, which will be back in stock on, uh, the new year. Like, so as the new year kicks off, they'll get these edge RTs back in stock, as well as a few other items that have been out of stock. But uh, supply chains are repaired. They're ready to rock and roll going into 2023. So Dogtra, great company, great customer service, great people. We believe in them. They believe in us. Uh, let's go to the next one. We've got Shmokem, if you got now on my road trip to Oklahoma, I made myself a little booty, a little pork butt. That's what it, it's, to me, it's like a cheap, inexpensive piece of meat. When smoked, it's a lot of food. I was starting to get tired of eating pork butt for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I can promise you that. But I ate that son of a gun. And it was delightful. So smoke them if you got them. Traeger Grills. Next up. Mm. Boom. I was shooters shooting on this road trip. Um, I'll be honest with you. You're going to hear more about the story further into the podcast. Actually, I don't want to. I don't really want to get into it now. Just know that Bismuth might have let me down in Texas, but in Oklahoma, <laughs> It did not. So there's that. So Kent Cartridge. <clears throat> and lastly, Waypoint Outdoor Collective. They keep us in tune with you. 
and you in tune with us. Check them out. All right, let's get in the show. Uh, welcome, Kevin. It's good to have you back, bud. We're we're sipping some Sloop Brewing Company, No Santa, to New England IPA. It's a delightful treat. But uh, at $14 a four-pack, we're going to switch to Bush Light real quick. Um, here, enjoying Kevin's company, and I feel like he's heard some of my hunting trip, but this is going to be the chance to like tell the whole story, man. So I'm excited to share it with I, you. I barely asked on purpose so that it can be a, a real raw reaction and yeah. how, how things were and whatnot. So I'm excited. Yeah, we're also going to do a little bit of Q&A towards the end. We sure. had a bunch of Instagram Q&As while I was on the road. And, and so we're going to knock off some Q&As. And uh, so stay tuned for those. We are going to post those on some YouTubes and Instagram Reels as well. So building content, folks. We're trying to provide entertainment and education one podcast at a time. <laughs> uh we had a good hunt this morning too yeah we did we had fun yeah took uh my dad kevin and i and kevin's golden retriever birdie on a hunt on a local lake where the birds are starting to pile it up we've had while i was gone the weather shifted here in new york and things got cold and froze and birds moved into our area finally. It's been hunting season forever, and we have had diddly squat for ducks. Yeah. And so it's nice to finally scout and see birds and feel like, hey, tomorrow might be really good, instead of, hey, tomorrow we might see a duck. So it's reinvigorated. The road trip for me reinvigorated duck hunting. I kind of got on a deer hunting and grouse hunting kick when there were no ducks around to hunt, and and I just wasn't super motivated to go out and, you know, struggle, I guess. So it feels good to have opportunities in the air and on the water. So we had fun. Um, took the, we got a new boat. Shout out to my client, Chuck, who basically we bought the boat from. And uh, it's a 20-foot all-weld modified v with a 90 horse yamaha with a duck blind and a sweet bench seat and cushions and a gun uh, storage unit and depth finders and all sorts of knickknacks and whiskey doodles and doodly dots it's pretty sweet yeah it, it was a good upgrade it gives us more room uh the ability to hit some bigger water for divers. Yeah. Or if stuff gets sketchy, just... right? Like if stuff gets sketchy, a small boat remains sketchy, a bigger boat with a bigger motor, wider transom, all of the above makes you safer in the water. Um, so I feel good about it. Um, so we went out and we had a good time. We set up in an area that I, you know, when the sun came up and the birds started moving, I, I was 50-50 on where I wanted to go. I thought one section would be good for one reason, and I thought another section would be good for another. And we found this little secluded cove where I thought the ducks would want to get out of the wind and the waves. The problem was they had a hard time with the wind getting in there. So they would decoy, they would see us, they would work. But they struggled finishing in range because of our setup. And so I 
I take responsibility for that. I thought it would be better, but it really wasn't bad. It was a really fun hunt. We saw a lot of birds. We worked a good bit of birds and the ones who did it decoyed perfect. So, uh, me and dad were the shooters today so that Kevin could run birdie quite honestly. And I, I don't mean to knock her at all, but just because she's five or six years old, she hadn't duck hunted in a while. Pheasant hunted a bunch. Six and a, six and a half. Yeah. Pheasant hunts with you a, a good bit, mostly a house dog. Since you've been coming and training more often, she's back in training. But I thought it was intelligent on your part to say, I'm going to put the gun down today and I'm going to let you guys shoot. I'm just going to have fun with birdie and work her. That was the best thing you could have done for you, me and dad and our hunt to say, ego aside, let's just work the dog and help her be successful. So first group of birds came in. The two. I'm trying to think, bud. All I know is in that first group, two got knocked down, right? We had we had two get knocked down. And I we all set stoned them. You know, like they they looked uh, are you talking about the first group that ended up being crippled and yeah, they were crippled and with the yeah, so okay, we're on the same page then. Turns out Birdie didn't see him. No harm, no foul. So I got out of the boat and one ended up getting oh, up and flying away. That. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that one. Got up and it flew away. So like, sorry, Bismuth, but didn't knock it down like I usually plan on. Yeah. And it got up and got away, whatever. Lives to fight another day. Good for that duck. And then the other duck, I swore was deader than a doornail. And it was upside down kicking for a second for like, yeah. wow, got him, you know, got stoned him. him, but she didn't see it. And so I'm like, okay, screw it. You stay in the boat. I'll take her out with me. I'll wade out as far as I can. And then I'll throw a rock at the duck and hopefully we'll get her there. But the waves were lapping. I lose sight of the duck. They're in the boat trying to guide me towards the duck. They now can't see the duck and it's just gone, gone. So super disappointed and actually we we searched around for it on the shoreline after the hunt to see if it drifted in we, we put tried. out yeah, yeah we, we tried. tried it just disappeared it happens yep second group of birds came in and rolled two i'm pretty sure that were that was me no big deal you did i always hate giving you credit but that was some fine shooting and uh i mean which as we get into oklahoma and texas you'll hear some of my not fine shooting sure but, but uh, that volley rocked them not bad two so for two luckily she saw them and god love dad but he goes did i get one i'm like um no not on this one sorry yeah, no. so got them um fun hunt birdie saw them and or just one went out and did her job brought it back uh God bless Uncle Bob and his forest fetch. Check out the forest fetch course. Birdie went out and got the duck, delivered two hand, jumped back in the boat, bird in hand, did not drop it. Love it. That's what I like to see. A dog, even at six years old, who's rusty AF and can still remember not to put that bird down until you take it from her. That's cool. She just knows it. 
It's just she's it's rusty. Good. I I get it. I'm very I'm I'm cool with saying that, you know, like but she knows her job. She does yeah. a fine job. I'm very proud of her. Yeah, she she comes out of retirement. She'll come and do some training days. And it's like, all right, she got it. Still got it. Now that X bird that rolled landed on a sheet of ice in this little like break wall area. She did not know where it was. So I go, Kev, just hop out of the boat, walk her down to it and get her on the ice and deal with it. So he does, and he gets her on the ice, and now she gets in a little bit of nervousness. It's different. It's weird. I feel like she can see this duck. It's not very far from her, and I'm sure you were frustrated, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's right there. It's the only duck on the ice, and it's dead, and she is just more worried about slipping on the ice than doing her job. New experience, never done this before, never seen this before, and it overwhelmed her. So I'm, you know, the waves and the wind. So I'm yelling to Kevin, throw a chunk of ice at it. So he finally hears me. He's probably thinking like, I'm yelling like, do, other, other do, thing. do a dunk of dice, you know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, so he finally grabs a piece of ice and chucks it at the duck. And she goes, huh, all right. And now builds enough confidence to slip and slide along this ice shelf all the way. And then is like, oh, damn, that's a bird. Picks it up, delivers to Kevin, and and we're successful. Um, next volley, Kevin and De- like I'm I'm limited out now. So Kevin grabs a gun again. Yep. And uh dad connected on a Drake Millard, and Kevin got one too. So super pumped for the two of them yeah. to to have these birds decoy and get more shots off. And Birdie did fantastic. And remind me, did you, did you have to get out for the second group again for the memory bird? I can't remember. To... Either I way, remember. she did a we... nice job. The key... oh yes, because it uh, out, right? yeah we I had to get the great point. I had to get out because it had kind of washed away the waves were rolling at this point and mm-hmm. so it rolled up into the rock wall out right. of sight over the rock wall and she had so i walked out and helped her and we had to it was a cool little hunting situation it was teaching it, yeah it was good but we got out there and as i'm walking she's swimming i was like all right like hunt it up and she, she climbed with the break wall whiffed it out and Mm-hmm. fetch the bird carried all the way back and yeah. it was awesome so in yeah total, no, we had to in total had to some working super Teaching, cold day right? super cold day windy day bigger waves young you know younger dog not age wise but maybe skill level wise and instead of getting frustrated disappointed um um asking too much of the dog and putting them in a failure state we worked her through it and i think she learned a lot from it and then towards the end of the hunt, as we're pretty much getting ready to go, you know, she's bowed up, ready to go for another bird. And so good experience for Birdie. It comes down to experience. And she had fun. And you had fun. And dad and I had fun. And everybody killed a bird. And life is good. It was a good time. We had a good good hunt this morning. Yeah. So um, we're getting some more snow. I'm going again tomorrow. Sucks to suck for everybody else, but I'm going again. And, uh, 
that's it. So let's get into the Texas Oklahoma trip. So for me, this was uh, this is a bucket list dream of mine. The real dream is to basically take off the the morning of duck season opening and travel the country and and hunt almost every day, new places, new scouting, new birds, different species, different opportunities. But not many people are fortunate enough to be able to do that. And so this year I was able to finagle like a nine or 10 day trip out West. I've always wanted to hunt Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and just never got, never got able to. It's very far away from central New York, a whole day away. Yeah. It's not a, uh, We've gone to Maryland a couple of times where it's a half day road trip. And yeah, it's you're like, there you in know, seven hours. You're there right. in eight hours. Or, um, you know, I drive to Charleston for dog training and it's 14 hours. Like that's an easy, easy day. I can do that in my sleep. 23 hours can suck it and was by myself, you know, was tough. Yeah. So um, I drove to my clients and friends place in texas just uh not really a suburb of dallas i mean it's out there away from dallas but that's the general vicinity of where we were and so i drove there uh hunted a dog that i did the raisin train program so some people opt to have me pick a puppy for them out of a litter that i believe is going to be exceptional whether that's like you know, for that person, like what they're looking right. for, yeah, a family pet that hunts, or pretty hardcore hunting dog, or whatever the case may be. Um, so this was the chocolate lab named Indy that we trained for about a year, and so she hunted the first day. We go to a, a deer lease that my friend Peter, who basically co-owns Sam with me. Peter's been on the show before, I think. Yep, he has. When he was, yeah, when he was in here in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great dude. Yeah, he's a veterinarian. He's a cattle rancher. He's a good guy. And so he has Sam. Kevin's opening a case of beer. That was loud, but whatever. Sorry. Cheers, everybody. Yeah, sorry. That was a lot louder than anticipated. And then, uh, doo, doo, doo. so Indy gets day one. We go to this uh, deer lease with, they call them tanks in Texas. It's a small little pond that cattle would drink water out of, but it is, I mean, I can throw a football from corner to corner, end to end, and I'm not Brett. What a Texas description, too. Yeah, I'm not Brett Favre either, so take that with a grain of salt. So, uh, Indy, I'm very proud of her. Steady as a rock, in a ground blind, on the bank, and, and this is where it all went downhill for Uncle Bob. I couldn't hit a GD broadside of a barn. Did Pete give you a hard time? Well, it's just like... I hope so. You know, you freaking lone duck Bob, man. And these guys look at you like, hey, professional dog trainer loves the duck hunt. Da-da-da-da-da. He's going to be a shooter and Lift the veil. Lift the veil. I suck. Right? (laughs) So I can't... I mean, dude, I missed a water spot. It just didn't happen for me. I couldn't... The pressure and whatever it happens, it happens, but it's just like, are you, I want to swear just so you all understand I'm holding it back, but are you (laughs) S H I T in me? 
so they're laughing at me and I, you know, whatever, it's all in good fun and we're having fun and Indy does great, but it only gets a couple of retrieves because dear old uncle Bob's one of the three and I can't hit the broadside of a barn. So now it's up to Peter and LJ, but she does awesome. So get a couple gadwall. She did a nice job. We had a fun time, time to go to work. So Peter, I mean, besides being a veterinarian, he runs cattle. And he makes a side hustle and enjoys cattle. So we uh, basically, as we're driving home, he's like, hey, I need uh, five horses saddled and ready at this spot. And uh, we'll see you there. And like, hell yeah. Call, who's he calling? One of his workers. Nice. Yeah. So I was I hoping you there. were going to be like, oh, he called me to saddle up his horse. <laughs> no, I don't know how to saddle up a horse. <laughs> So, anyways, uh, this is like a lifelong yeah, dream. Bareback them, <laughs> yeah, oh, hell yeah, bareback them. <laughs> so, I get up, I get me a horse. His name is Scooby. <laughs> Least intimidating <laughs> name ever. This is what he gives like a three year old kid or some something. But, anyways, me and old Scoobs, we saddle up and ride. <laughs> and he's got he's got like ninety something year old steers. I don't know if I'm using the right terminology, but they're about a year old, less than a year old, and they're going to uh, what's called a futurity, futurity, futurity. I don't know, but basically like Yellowstone, where they do like the cutting and uh, competition rodeo, where people rope them and cut them and get scored on it. They needed X amount of young cattle to do it, so he's like, "Yeah, I'm in." So we had to. They were already in the big pen, but now they get to get loaded in one of those Mondo cow haulers. Like a 18-wheeler truck yeah. sort of thing? Yep. So you got one dude in the cattle hauler wrangling them, one dude at the gate wrangling them to get them up the ramp and in, sure. and then four of us on horseback cutting them out of the herd and going, okay. you know, Can you describe like, cutting them? Cutting them is mostly for me because I've never even seen Yellowstone, so I don't know. Well, you're missing out. It's freaking best show on Amazon. Sure. Looks like you got stuff to do this winter. Catch up on that. Um, but cutting cutting is taking a herd of cattle and picking a group or one out. Shaving them off from the group and, and, and moving them along where you want them to go. So it'd be like, all right, let's uh, do 10 at a time or 15 at a time or 20 at a time. And so you take you and your horse and you go into the herd and splice it. And then you all kind of keep pushing that little group off into the chute and up the chute and up the ramp and into the thing. And you're, they're counting as they go. And I'm like, damn, I can't. You mean the brown one? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm up Shit's Creek without a paddle on counting. I'm like, I thought that was 12. They're like, now nah, it's 17. I'm like, ooh, that would have been mm -hmm. way off. Yeah, great. So, but super cool. So you and Scoob, <laughs> we're in this corral with a bunch of cows and I'm on horseback, which I've trail rode. I can probably count on one hand, maybe two hands, how many times I've done it. So, but I, I love it. I enjoy horses. I think it's cool. And like, as a little kid, this would, this is a dream of mine. So, so I'm in there. Right. And they're like, all right, you stay here and you're going to in quote unquote, maybe like intimidate the horses to not go this way. You're going to block them, maybe. You mean block intimidate them. the cattle? Yeah, excuse me, yeah, the yeah, cattle. Okay. So, like, if I stand here, they're not going to go here. They're going to go there. 
And if I go there, they're going to go there and not here. And so I'm like cutting back and forth this way and that way with the horse and keeping them yeah, full gallop, right? You're going from one no, side to the other. Yeah. <laughs> no, not full steam ahead, but, but it was cool. So then as I'm starting to get like comfortable and okay with it, I'll move in on the cattle. He's like, all right, get a couple more. And like, I'll go in on the cattle and cut them out. And then the rest of us push them in. And it was just, did you wild. have a pistol? Somewhere on me. I had a fucking 45, son. I, I, yeah, I just can't help but laugh at this whole thing. Yeah. Just, yeah. Full, full metal jacket, baby. <laughs> Anywho, we uh, we had a blast doing that. So that was like day one of Texas. I washed the salt and crap off my truck and trailer. And, From traveling and whatnot. Yeah, me and the dogs hung out, and then Peter got done with work. And does you know, Before we jump forward, does Peter has a cattle dog, right? Mm-hmm. can we talk about his cat cattle dog cattle dogs he's got one he's, he's got border one. collie border collie it's white and brown um diesel is his name it's good good dog name yeah and actually he got it from a pretty well-known cattle guy i want to say it's pronounced moros m-o-u-r-o-s stock dogs on instagram if you if you search it you'll find it but this dude's pretty legit competes in they call them stock dogs. So dogs that work cattle and sheep and goats and whatnot. And they compete at this. And so Peter's dog is like a two and a half, three-year-old border collie that kicks butt and takes names. And, uh, you know, the, the thing that stood out for me and I filmed some, so it'll hit Instagram and YouTube and whatnot. Um, incredible, incredible obedience, zero e-collar, just a disciplined dog that knows his job and doesn't need much correction. They're very soft breed. So they're not really like trying to stick it to you. They just are like, Oh, I get it. And then not to dilute it or downgrade how obedient it is, but like, they don't need to do a ton. It's like, go to the right, go to the left, move closer to the cattle, stop and lay down, move closer to the cattle, move to the left move to the right. So, and and if people think about that as like running blinds and duck dog stuff, it really does simplify how technically not difficult it is. You have to teach it. You got to grow it. You got to do a lot of things, but in the end of the day, it's go stop comp. That's all you got to do. That makes sense. So this dog, it would go this way and it would run. And then because of like our dogs would cue in on bumpers, white poles, ducks, whatever they cue in on cattle. So if they see, if they say away, that means go to the left and away, right? Um, and as he's doing that, he goes, oh, snap, there's three cows over there. That's what he's talking about. Boom, he beelines it, gives them a little bit of wide berth. Boom, Peter would go, lie down. I mean, just like that, like, not lie down, down. It was just lie down, boom, hits the deck. Walk up. Walk up, walk up, and the dog's like, as that inflection comes in, he's creeping up on. He's creeping up. He might take faster pace steps with like walk up or walk up. It'd be like two or three steps. Walk up, two or three steps, and Peter is working the cattle and the dog at the same time, pushing and pulling, and it's pretty neat. This is really cool. Yeah, so we got to do that. So that was bad to the bone. So again, another bucket list thing for me to do on my road trip. 
now let's jump into day two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just that was yeah. something I really wanted to hear about and and learn about, and uh, it would be cool to <clears throat> excuse me, like chat with Peter about. Yeah, or, or we need someone, to get that. Or, we need to get Moros uh, stock dogs on the podcast because it it is incredible. I think it's a lot of natural instinct and then honing it and and obedience, but uh, really impressive. Anyways, day two we hunt Peter's farm in one of the stock ponds that he has kind of developed and managed with millet and water levels, and so we hunted that. He had a couple birds in it. Turned out to be pretty sporty and now Indy is done she's the young one that we raise and train she hunt alone now we're gonna hunt hrch mh mama sam and two-time master national memphis together how's that sucked a big old you know donkey it was memphis was the worst i've ever seen her in her eight years broke on every bird really dude it was embarrassing frustrating i couldn't hit the broadside of a barn because i was like no here every time and it was so you're worked up and not just dude i was shooting and livid would be the word livid i was pissed off frustrated disappointed sad embarrassed and that's life um hmm. yeah it was terrible so why, like why do you why do i think yeah um these are all, she's not usually like dude she has everybody broke, makes mistakes she hasn't and broken five years probably i mean the last time i remember her breaking is when we hunted with matt peel in virginia sure or maryland right yeah yeah that was the last time i remember her breaking okay. right so but i'm saying like do you i know why yeah I'll okay get i'm about to so, A, she doesn't train much anymore. So, almost all summer long and all fall long, she would train maybe once every other week. Um, doo-doo, busy doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> Do two, uh, just sheer numbers of dogs I've got to train and and she wasn't competing at the time. So it's like, just give her, give her the time off. She's just living in the house and chilling Two, she's got arthritis. So I'm not pounding training down her throat when she's going to be sore all day afterwards. So I pick and choose days that she's going to go and work, but it's infrequent. Now, when we go and train and she sits by my side, she doesn't move a muscle. It's, it's ingrained in her. It's so like been here before. I know where the birds are going to be. I know how to run a blind. Da, 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 da. I just keep her sharp. Well, I haven't popped up laying down flat. Haven't popped up out of a layout blind in probably five years next to her. I haven't had her lay in a ground blind next to me. I haven't, I haven't done a ton of this stuff with her in a really, really long time. And she went from zero to 100 adrenaline excitement enthusiasm pumped up didn't give a crap what i had to say or do i mean she ate a edge rt high eight all the way to the first break all the way (laughs) grabbed it didn't care and it didn't stop her from doing it again so i mean she just was out of her gourd naughty 
So long story short, if I had my stuff ready, I'd have tied her up. I should have tied her up. I wasn't really prepared to bring her. I thought we were just going to hunt Sam. So all of these are excuses. But the point is, I was really disappointed in her. I was embarrassed that these are my two buddies who I've trained their dogs. And my dog looks like she's never done anything before. And I also didn't really kill anything. So it's just like over and over again, I got humbled. And uh, so that was Texas. Great experience. I would say that out of all of it, I really enjoyed the cow wrangling versus anything else. (laughs) Did you, I don't want to say most importantly, but almost most importantly, do you eat any good barbecue? No. Oh, that's Peter a made huge us. Oh, okay. Peter made us uh, steaks that were unbelievable. Nice. Um, but no, I did not get barbecue. I don't think. I, and so then I check this word out. Moseyed my way to Oklahoma. Moseyed isn't an impressive word. It's a cowpoke word. Oh, I'm just gonna mosey on down. The, I don't know. Maybe not. Oh, I'm not a cow. I don't know a cowboy. Guy. No, you're clearly not. I. Uh, we got to. We're sitting in the truth booth. I got to be honest. I went to Texas once for work with a, I was the only non-vegan and we also didn't eat barbecue and I was down in Dallas for like two days, zero barbecue. And it was, it was devastating. All right. So that was, that was my Texas experience. Mildly frustrating with my shooting, mildly frustrating with my dog excited because Sam and Indy did amazing, which is good. But uh, yeah, this is this is life. This is dog dog stuff. Where some days they're on, some days they're off, and she was off, and so was I. So then we uh, we went up to Oklahoma, just me and in the dogs. Got an Airbnb, just again me and the dogs, and scouted, 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 scouted. Day one was all scouting. I got in late technically day one and I I didn't have time to scout. So the next day, instead of hunting, I scouted from basically the minute I woke up to the minute it got dark and I did not find a lot of birds. I was a little disheartened. Um, went the easy route day one, which was big water. I brought a canoe, put out my decoys, me and Memph, And guess what? didn't break. (laughs) Um, and I got lucky. I, uh, there were groups near me. We were hunting like grass islands on big water where I had found some ducks, but not a ton. And there were probably three or four other boats in that area and me in a canoe and, uh, paddled out, set decoys, bingo, bango, first light comes i don't see jack but other people are shooting so i'm like oh any second now that's the worst yeah that's one of my biggest pet peeves i'm all for other hunters other people being into the sport people digging it whatever but when i'm out there you want all your frost my behind more than when other people are shooting and i'm sitting there being like oh i hope a duck comes by yeah so uh it's probably like eight o'clock now and over top of a grass island comes a three pack of birds and boom, the bismuth finally started to work again. And, uh, 
Turn on the business switch. Yeah. And Back on. One shot wonder knocked down a bird. Nice. And Mem went and retrieved it. And it was a stud, beautiful Drake Gadwall, which we don't get a ton here in New York. They're not not here. I've never shot one. You haven't shot much. Saying I mean, you need to take shots here, but uh no, I mean mm-hmm. no, they're not super prevalent, right? If so, we shot one here, it'd have been like, oh my god. We got shot a gadwall today. Got a gadwall, right? So, uh, great bird, great retrieve, good shot. Felt good. Thank you, everybody. I I felt good again. Then, like an hour later, a single came screaming in and rolled it. Hen ring neck. Thank you to her too. So now, Memphis and I are on the board with like two shots, two birds, not a missing. Not a breaking good hunt and and called it a day. And I got out and took care of the rest of the dogs and started scouting. Scouting was the key. It, it's just the key to anything. It is. It is. It's easier said than done. Especially in a new state, new land, new roads. And the one thing that I learned was... Dude, I almost buried the truck all by myself in the backwoods of Oklahoma half a dozen times. Like, nice. Pardon me? Heart in your throat, going through a puddle that's beyond where your tires are, driving your truck through deep puddles like that going, is this six inches deep or is this 24 inches deep? And, you know, showing up to where you're, putting your pin thinking this is going to be a slough, a big old pond, uh, whatever. And then there's no birds. We're using Onyx or just like what we're using to get. Yeah. Onyx and Google maps in, in, in conjunction. Um, Google maps seem to be most accurate with being able to zoom in and maneuver, if you will. On X showed you what was public, private, um, <clears throat> wetland right. areas and, and whatnot. But the last time Google Maps had like updated that area, it was during a floodplain. So like where there was water, typically when I got there, there was still water. Hmm. Now it had been dry, but they had got a bunch of rain. And so maybe it was more wet in the past, but I still would show up and it's like, hmm. Okay. Here we are. Huntable. Yeah. All right. Sometimes birds, sometimes not. So day two. Where did I go? Day two. Day two. Did you talk about what and why you're out there? It's a it's a it's lone duck project, but I don't know how much uh, yeah. to like. No, I did. I told people it. that it's gonna be like a year out, but I'm writing a book and whatnot. Right so on. Very cool. That. Yep. Um day two. Oh, day two. So I find a beaver pond down this road that was actually really close to my Airbnb. And I creep up and get the binoculars out. And there's probably like 20 something wood ducks and a couple mallards. I'm like, done. I'm in. You know, it's five minutes from my Airbnb. And you basically get to sleep in. No, I didn't. (laughs) That's the best part. I didn't. I got there at the crack of dawn. Right. Show up at 430 in the morning truck there i'm like you gotta be right s-h-i-t and me 
dudes were from Texas are driving to another spot in Oklahoma to hunt, but are passing through and had hunted before. So they're just like, well, why don't we just park here, sleep and hunt and then go to the next spot? So I knock on their window and I'm like, I'm a courteous hunter. And you, th- this, were they awake? No, they were asleep. But I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where they are. I, I couldn't tell if they, their trucks was tinted up and yeah. whatnot. So I don't know. Are they out taking decoys to the pond? Are they, you know, their dog was in the bed of the truck. Lights were on, but I can't see inside. So I'm like, gotcha. I, I don't want to walk 500 yards into the woods and find out that I can't hunt there. And then now walk a half a mile to the other spot I was going to go. Like, I just didn't want to deal with it. So I'm like, I'll just knock on that freaking window. So I wake them up, tell me their story. They want to go to where I was going to go. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to the one that's even further into the woods, but nobody else is there. They're going here. I'm going there. Positive that of that is like, if they shoot, those might come to me. If I shoot, they might go to them. Like could be good. So, but I'm there at the crack of dawn, dude, like sunrise, shooting light, in the morning. Is, yeah, yeah. shooting light isn't until like, I want to say 640 or something. So I pack in and this old blue tick coon hound freaking follows me and Memph into the hole and then starts running coons. Wait, what? Yeah. He's just like a farm dog and he just wouldn't leave us alone. And he never like bothered us, but he just paled along really yeah i mean that's kind of cool yeah it was and then he started going you know like totally would like go off and start bawling at a a raccoon and was he like a lost dog no dude this is middle of nowhere oklahoma it's somebody's farm dog that that just just does what he lives outside does what he does and he went on a coon hunt (laughs) he went on a duck hunt is what he he went yeah at 5 a.m., he decided to strike up on a, a coon and, you know, you'd hear him way off in the distance and then it'd get louder, louder, louder. He'd, he wouldn't even acknowledge us. He'd run 20 yards away and just keep on rolling and then come on back and loop off the other way. And so that was kind of a cool experience. And I, I actually videoed. I don't know if it'll come out at all, but like the the moon and everything and you can just hear him. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it was neat. So now it's like 15, 20 minutes of shooting light. And I see a headlamp coming my way. And I'm like, you mother headlamper. Headlamper. I've been here since 4.30 in the morning. And I want to kill a couple ducks with me and my old dog. And you're going to walk in 15 minutes before shooting light. And... On this pond that was again, the coon hunter no. guy. Like, Can we see my dog? No. So, uh, I mean, again, it's like a tiny little thing where I can throw a football one way and the other way. And that's as big as it is, really. Um, and so I yell over to him. How many you got? Me and my brother. And I'm like, all right, come hunt with me. Hurry up. So they come over and they're 26 and 21 nice guys they're from a different part of oklahoma never been there got their truck stuck all sorts of shenanigans of why they're late and just good dudes i'm glad we hunted together i enjoyed their company um and we had a show 
Were you in? You were hunting Memphis there. Yep, Memphis was there, and we had a a great experience. You know, five ten minutes before shooting light, mallards and wood ducks and gadwall and whatever are all landing all around us, and just an epic. You could hit them with a baseball bat type of deal where they're just everywhere and you're just watching and waiting and looking at the clock and watching and waiting and hearing and seeing the show and shooting light hat you know kicked off and you know they didn't stick around so we had a couple that we took a poke at and didn't hit and then the rest of the morning was like pretty normal duck hunting but they decoyed really well um i shot two mallards and a gadwall and they shot a gadwall and uh two of the ducks were crippled and sailed off one sailed off did they have a dog i didn't ask no i should have okay so they were okay yeah just two dudes two brothers out hunting so it's like me and you man you know so i i really did enjoy their company and you know i guess that's maybe a moral of the story of don't be a dink you know, my initial reaction was being a dink, like you <laughs> son of a bitch, like you're coming into the hole that I found, you know, my truck's there. There's another truck there. You showed up late, go somewhere else. Sure. That was my initial, you know, jerk reaction. But then it's like, Hey, just freaking hurry up and come here and let's hunt. They were really fun guys and I enjoyed their company and they're That's just cool. getting into it. They're deer hunters. They've been duck hunting for only a year or two and they're, they're getting into it. So not that I'm all knowing and whatever, but like just we talked dogs, we talked duck hunting. Um, it was good. And but anyways, back to so two ducks rolled off into the Neverlands where you're like, oh, not sure we'll find them. And so me and Memph, when things slowed down, went for a hike and she found one. I'm like, heck yeah, baby. That's awesome. Like I had no idea where it landed other than its general vicinity. And it was sort of near there, but we had to hike around. Just and thought it was out that way. And yeah, that way. and her nose went up and tracked it and found it. That is a doornail, so that was good. And then another one, like, got hit but wasn't hit good and sailed off over these ding weeds and into some really thick, I don't even know what you call it. It's, it's something that we don't have around here, but it's almost like briars and thorny thick stuff like you can't you can't walk through it dog could go underneath it maybe but you there's no way i can go in there and be like come on man follow me it's that thick and nasty Hmm. so we walk over and this is the general vicinity that it flew i don't even know if it i don't know how bad it got hit but i'm like well they're gone now hunts over we'll just take a walk so as she and i are walking all and uh clearly like an idiot i left my gun unloaded in the case by the decoys so i'm just walking the dog and it flushes up she flushes it up and it is injured and flutters into the pond hmm. and i'm like oh, i wish i had my gun right. i mean it was like right there i could have yeah. just gone boop, done <clears throat> right it lands in the pond she's as fast as her like sore arthritic old bones can get there is, is chasing it and plunges into the beaver pond and is now swimming behind it and it dives and she's swimming around in a circle and dives for it and misses it. And then it flutters off to another section and then she's off after it. And then she gets her feet under her. Now it's the chase is on. 
And so I just enjoyed watching her have fun chasing that bird and successfully recovering it. So we ended up with four birds, but one of my favorite memories of birds pre-shooting light, they were just everywhere. So not all about the killing on that hunt, but we still did. Dog still did well and just a, a spectacle. So next day I'm thinking lightning never strikes twice, but you don't have many options, but I don't have many options. And so I'll take Prairie. And if we scratch out a few, it'll be good. Yeah. And I went, you know, there was like a little cove in this beaver pond that they did want to dump into. So I'm like, I'll go sit there instead of over here. And that'll, you know, that'll be good. Well, we didn't pull the trigger. All right. So you had a good walk. Yeah. And so about eight, eight 30, I decide I'm going to walk pull up on X and Google maps and I'm going to walk this whole freaking bottom. And I found a bunch more slews that had zero birds on them. So now that whole spot to me is now pretty much blown out. So I leave, I go scout another spot, find some ducks and I take Prairie again the next day and I show up, but crack it on and there's four trucks there. And I'm like, and I'm there at like, 4 15 4 30 in the morning like i am striving to be the first one in i'm not getting up at you know 10 minutes before shooting light i am there two hours before shooting light with a 25 minute walk in so i got an hour and a half to sit waiting right nobody else is going to do that well i'm wrong they did (laughs) three other parties no four uh well not they were all were one party luckily well right so again i'm a courteous hunter I walk up, you know, now I got to walk a ways to where I wanted to hunt, but I want to just show up and be like, Hey, you know, are you cool? If I hunt here, I don't want to be too close to you. I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to be sky busting and blowing duck calls while you're working birds. Like we'll have fun. We're, we should be playing far enough away. Oh yeah, man. Good luck. I'm like, cool. Thanks. Like they're cool. I'm cool. We weren't do what you can. We weren't aggressive towards each other. We weren't jerks about it, but it's public land. And you, I feel like you should be courteous to others and hope that they're courteous to you. If you are the first one, like don't show up and go set your decoys up a hundred yards away. That's unacceptable. I was probably 250 yards away, but it still was like, I could hear them duck calling. So I wouldn't, I might see birds, but I'm not going to call while they're calling and pull birds from them. Like let them have their fun. And they were whether they knew it or not, they were courteous to me. If I'm working birds, I noticed that they were not doing anything to like pull them off of me. Right. Right. So this was Prairie's hunt. Uh, we were on like a little oxbow or an elbow of a, uh, a creek that I could actually walk through. So it wasn't super deep, maybe, you know, thigh high water and then knee high water. And, um, set the decoys up. I brought six decoys cause it's a long walk and I didn't want to haul anymore. And one of those like makes sense. Higdon duck butts that shoots water. Yeah. yeah. I like those. Yeah. If, if you can, can remember to plug it in at night and then, you know, get it the next morning. I like those. Yeah. It creates a little splash and a movement in, in your spread. So, um, did that first group of ducks landed. And again, I'm a killer landed. So you missed them all? 
pow. No, I rolled one on oh. the water, son. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a crap. Yeah, yeah. Drake would duck. Nice. So old prairie dog doesn't see it because she's this is her second hunt. Well, third hunt, but second time actually going out retrieving birds on a hunt. So she's like looking around, like, what'd you shoot at? And I'm like, girl, it's on the water right there. I swatted it. This is called the water swat. You got to learn the water <laughs> swat if you're going to hang out with us here. <laughs> hang on, Prairie. It's called a, a, a sluice and ducks. <laughs> yeah. Shoot or shoot is what it's called. Shoot yeah. or shoot, Prairie. When I say shoot or shoot, you look on the water. Don't look in the sky. Look on the water. <laughs> so Drake would duck, um, end up lining her up on a blind. And she goes out and has no freaking clue what I'm doing. Like I'd never trained her to run a blind before and, you know, goes off and bails in the water, the opposite direction, handling her, handling her. But to clarify, you have. Yeah. No, she knows. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't look like it at the moment, but did. So then now birds are starting to work again. I'm like, get your ass in here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Sit. Sit. So con, 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 nothing. I'm like, all right, screw it. Run a blind. And now she's like settled a little bit more. And ran a very nice blind to it. So like in the excitement of the moment, she did not run a well, a nice blind. Once things calmed down, you know, two minutes later, ran a perfect blind, picked that wood duck up and we were off and running. Next bird, green wing teal. Next bird, green wing teal. Then the mallard started flying. Heel yeah. Then. it's awesome. I, and they were decoying beautifully. So I shot a couple mallards, a wood duck, two teal. And then a hooded merganser that I swear identified as a wood duck. I mean, it bombed in like a wood duck and I rolled it. And as I'm pulling the trigger, I'm like, hoodie. (laughs) And uh, so that was our limit, man. That was uh, a limit of ducks in Oklahoma. Six birds, hooded merganser that identifies as a wood duck. Listen, shoot or shoot, man. I don't care. Prairie didn't give a crap either. She marked beautifully. Um, one of the mallards was crippled and did the same thing as Memph, which I did catch on film where, you know, it's fluttering on the water and then diving and she's working it out and right. worked out great, really built that drive and understanding of a crippled bird on the water. And then I took Memph again the next day and lightning didn't strike twice. So that was the end of our trip, I believe. I mean, I think that clears it up. So overall, good trip. Learned a lot, I guess. Well, it's hard, man. I mean, we talked about this with our Michigan grouse and woodcock. You don't don't know where you're going. Yeah, it's not like, okay, I'm going to block off Saturday to go hunting. Yeah, and the other But you know where you're going. Half the pins that I wanted to go look at were flooded out or gated. The other half were good to get to or flooded and I drove through them anyways and probably shouldn't have. Right. And so like, you don't know what you're getting into. I drove from New York to Texas and Oklahoma, not knowing where the migration was exactly just knowing that this is good public land. This is a good place to go. If the birds are there, you're going to hammer down. Cool. I'm in showed up. Migration wasn't on very few birds. And what we did, we earned. And it felt good. It was a good trip, good learning experience, good time, good to get away, good to hunt my dogs. Each, you know, Prairie Mem for the ones I was focused on. Each one of them had a great hunt. Memph got a normal hunt, then a breaking hunt that really bothered me, but whatever. You know, everybody got 
to go and do something special. I definitely have some memorable retrieves from it and great memories from it. And I would encourage other people to say, you know what? I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what it's going to be like when I get there, but me and the dog are going to go figure it out. And on a trip like that, if you can get one or two or three great hunts or even just good hunts and one or two, meh, yeah, we got one bird or no birds. Like I think an okay it. hunt turns into a really good hunt when it is earned like that though. When you don't know where you're going, you don't know how it's going to be and surprise, you still were able to bang out a few birds, saw some good dog works, had a good time, had some good memories. You tell a story over a beer and this and that, that is a good hunt. Yeah. It may not feel like it in the, in the moment where it's kind of slow and this is going on and whatever, but when you look back at it, you're like, no, we had a few birds in the bag. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, We brought meat home and the dogs got great retrieves. And, and truthfully, like I'm kidding around Texas, my shooting was abysmal. Then bismuth. Yeah. Abysmal with the bismuth. Then I get to Oklahoma and it's not like I missed. I can count. I mean, maybe three or four birds I shot at that I didn't hit. And then everything else was like a one shot deal. And so I felt better about myself. I calmed down. I took my time. I let them decoy. I let them get closer. I worked them with the call. I really had fun working the ducks. And then it was like, there it is. Boop. Yeah. Done. Dog. Go. You know, and and that to me was a, a real highlight of the trip as well. It's just. I was nervous in Texas. I'm thinking I lost my mojo. I'm in my own head. I'm worried about men breaking and being in front of the guns. Like it was a cluster. And then you get to Oklahoma and you settle in, you're by yourself and you can take your time and you can work the birds and you can let them get in and you watch. And I mean, I picked out everything. No, I killed one hen in Oklahoma, but everything else was Drake's, even the wood duck, like on the water, no big deal. But it's like, you're, you're taking your time. That's the only water spot there too, by the way. So, you know, good experience, good hunt. I encourage other peoples to uh, take a, a week vacation to somewhere that they dream of on their bucket slash ducket list and go, go with your dog. Try it. What's the worst that happens? You don't kill anything. You'll still have fun. Whatever. If you go with buddies, I think that's fun too. But there was something very rewarding being by myself, being with my dogs, knowing that what I call in or how I set my decoys or where I chose and how I shot was on me and it was rewarding. So it was pretty good. All right. So let's jump into some, uh, some really good questions we had come through. Uh, Oh, I like this one. This one's called selfie King official. Would you expect a one-year-old dog to sit still, be good, behave in a blind for three hours? Yes. Why? Training. Your, um, your, uh, your dog, anybody's dog, good dog, great dog. Like what? Uh, hang on. What would make a dog? So yes, but then like, what is the caveat of like, if the dog has great obedience and foundation, like what does that look like so that the dog could do that? Sure. Yeah, I think it's possible. I think, you know, it, it does depend on the dog a little bit. It depends on your training a, a lot of it. I think a good duck dog is obedient, self-discipline. And, and when I say the word discipline, I don't mean 
you coming down on a dog. I mean them being disciplined as if going to the gym on a regular basis. That takes discipline. Um, so being steady and cool and calm and collected in the duck blind takes discipline. So good, strong obedience, steadiness, good with gunfire, um, marking, um, you know, being well-versed in what they could expect on a duck hunt. Um, I do believe now this means it's your dog's first duck season. And my general rule of thumb is the first several hunts, you do not bring a gun, you run the dog. So you've got a steady tab on them. You've got a leash on them. You've got a bumper in your blind bag in case you don't shoot any ducks and you can work on some of the training and practice with that bumper. Um, you've put that dog in those situations in training to simulate the duck hunt you've done all this homework that yeah i i i wouldn't take a dog hunting that can't sit for three hours i wouldn't want do it it's not fun if they only got 20 minutes in them that's not fun so if you can't do that with your dog at a year old then wait till next year or train harder or work harder whatever it is but if you've done everything in your power to have the gunfire set, to have steadiness set, to have your obedience set, to have, you know, birds and everything that you've done to make a duck dog. Yeah, go hunt them and hold them to a good high standard and expect them to do the right things and teach them to do the right things in a real hunt. But yeah, I think it's totally possible. What you got, Kev? What's next? So Mickey uh, Mickey's asking, my dog won't hold a bird in her mouth, but holy cow, does she love bumpers and wings? What do you think? What should you do? Uh, you know, first off, I think most people struggle with getting their dogs on birds and having the ability to train birds more often. So I think that that is your number one most common problem and mistake is you need to train with birds more often so great your dog loves bumpers we don't duck hunt or pheasant hunt with bumpers so you need to buy find and train with birds more often than you have been number two i think you need to force fetch your dog segue into our force fetch course so we developed uh, an online training program from start to finish bunch of different dogs, bunch of different breeds, bunch of different personalities from hold to retrieving in the field, delivering birds to hand, not just bumpers, birds to hand, no matter what, no ifs, ands, or buts, happy and doing it with style when and how you want it. And so I would encourage you that if you believe your dog is old enough, ready enough, and you're ready enough, jump on that course. It's Lone Duck dot podia.com forward slash force fetch we'll drop the link below and jump on there get it for christmas get it for your birthday get it for yourself treat yourself and work your dog through it it's a four to eight week process i don't care what dog it is if you do it in two weeks you're wrong if you do it in six months you're wrong too but force fetch the dog train with more birds and you will be successful hands down emaster7 says what are the benefits of soaking kibble do you do this 
Yeah, soaking kibble or floating food. When do you do that? Why do you do it? Yeah, I typically do it when I'm on the road. Um, the dogs will get a little bit more, more dehydrated while we're traveling versus normal daily work. Um, there's research out there that shows that dogs will absorb the nutrients better when you float the food. Um, maybe we'll have our friend Ray vote come on the podcast again from Purina pro plan to discuss the benefits or non-benefits or whatever about floating food science of it. Sure. But I just want the dogs to get hydrated. That's why I do it. Um, I don't soak it to where the food gets mushy because the food is designed to grind tartar off of their teeth. And so I think that having crunchy food is beneficial, but I also think that floating the food helps them absorb the nutrients from the research I've done. Now, do I do it every day? No. Um, if they've been hydrated well all day, no, I don't do it, but I do believe that we do it often enough that it serves enough benefit. So is it every food, every meal? No. Is it uh, several times a week? Yes. I like this question and I want to dig into. I'm glad you like this question. You're welcome. Uh, John, John 14 says, how would you fix a hard mouth dog? Sure. Yeah. That's a tough one. So there, like, there's a lot to that, but can we talk about all the different parts of that really? Yeah. So what he means by hard mouthed is the dog crunches down on bumpers and birds. Now, some dogs do it on bumpers and don't do it on birds. Some, some dogs do it on birds and not on bumpers. Some dogs do it all the time. Some dogs only do it once in a great while. Typically it's when they're most excited. So if they're a super high drive dog and a little bit nutty, they'll, uh, you know, crunch down on it and, and give it a couple extra kill grabs or shakes to make sure it's dead in their head. Maybe, um, I think we can curb this when they're puppies by not giving them stuffed animals and chew too many chew toys and they shouldn't have free playtime with bumpers where they can gnaw on them. Um, I think we can do a little bit of damage during the hold phase of training and create a little bit of it. Um, I think we can do a little damage when we're building retrieve drive. And so too much excitement, too much retrieve drive can be detrimental. And that can turn into being so excited they can't help themselves and they just crunch down a little bit. In essence, how I would work on a hard mouth, and I've had one dog that I did not fix in my career. One, maybe two. One I can think of for sure. And I did all the tricks in the book. I did the old sketchy tricks in the book that nobody wants to talk about. Um... I, I got firmer with my force fetch in certain areas, which if you were to get on the, um, the course, you would see how, and I think I describe it a little bit, but you basically, while you're working them, you'll lift up on one hand on their collar and basically in essence, 
apply pressure upwards on their collar and sort of quote unquote choke them a little bit. So they're like, Oh, what is this? It's in my mouth. It's in my mouth. And then you relax it and they relax and they stop doing this because this happened. Okay. So you're, uh, it's, it's like indirect pressure where this is weird. So they stop doing this and then you relax and they relax and it becomes this. And then they start doing this and you go, and then they relax and then you relax and it relaxes everything. Um, so we talk about that and, and show that in our course. Um, but then when they become fully force fetched and mature and they do this during training or on hunting, I'm going to use indirect pressure on here and use the collar to stim on here because the faster they hurry up to me and they feel a little tickle, nothing crazy because too much can make it worse. There's that fine line. Too much can make it worse, but just enough to get them to be like, I better hurry up. Just like my analogy of this and I lift up here, a little bit of this come to me that stops the, the, the this. So indirect pressure on here can can help with hard mouth lifting up on the collar and giving them a little bit of indirect pressure that way can help doing too much hold can hurt. Um, so yeah, there's that. I mean, that's the best I can think of, bud. What else you got? No, that's a good answer. I feel like people have a lot of questions and thoughts and concerns about like, is my, my dog soft? Is my dog hard? Is my dog being yeah. How, how come I have a soft mouth dog, but they're not, but they're being hard mouth. Like, what does this mean? How do you like, sure. There's just so much to it that. Yeah. And I think, you know, not to be a selfish plug, but I think our force fetch course is, and again, the link is in here. You know, I think it, it really will help push people and, and have them see what we're talking about. Seeing what we're hearing me and seeing me is two different things and seeing dogs react is different than hearing about how they react. So, you know, I think if, even if you've got a dog that's already quote unquote through force fetch and you've got one little thing that you're struggling with, you know, going through the process of watching and listening and learning how and what I'm talking about could be beneficial. But uh, yeah, it's a force fetch and, and the, the, the cause and effects of things of doing it and not doing it and doing it right and not doing it right. And, and all that can, can really lead to other deals. And we talk about in training, like if you squeeze a tube of toothpaste in the center, it's coming out one end or the other. Right. Right. So if you do it too much this way, it's coming out this way. So you're, you're in essence trying to have that perfect balance and continuously push here, pull here, or move here, shake there, and develop a dog in the most balanced way possible. Trevor had a question that I like. Force fetch, then collar conditioning, or collar conditioning, then force fetch. I collar condition first. Um, and we had a Patreon guy. Uh, that asked this. So maybe this will help him as well. But this is the first dog he's not talking about Trevor. 
this is a, a Patreon guy. It's the first dog he's taken that he's not raised. And he has no relationship with the dog. It's eight months old. It's buck wild. It doesn't barely know his name. It doesn't know anything. He has no relationship with it. What do we do and how do we start it? Well, I start with obedience. I start teaching that dog what I expect of him. I start with treats. I start with leash work. I start with choke chains. I start with place. I start with here. I start with heel. And I teach that dog like rules, boundaries, expectations, and, and build it. I don't just start with one thing, um, you know, force fetch or whatever. I, I build this dog to like get to know me, get to know what my expectations and, and work them through it. Then I'll start collar conditioning. And so collar conditioning begins this idea of, and I do it. So let me back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. So I'll start with this dog on a leash with treats and I'm luring, I'm building behaviors, I'm shaping behaviors, I'm teaching, I'm coaching. And then it's like, okay, you understand here, he'll sit kennel or place very well with treats. Now I'm going to overlay the leash and choke chain and collar or flat collar with now I'm maybe giving some pops on the lead and saying, no heel, no, no kennel. And I'm popping them or I'm lifting up and hanging on to the pressure so it's uncomfortable, right? So I'm like, and the butt hits the ground and whoo, relaxation. So uncomfortable, comfortable, and praise. I'm turning that pressure on by giving a command. And when they comply quickly with that command, the pressure's turned off and then I praise them. So the faster they react to that command, the, the quicker the pressure's turned off and the praise they get. Then I overlay collar stimulation. So I'm doing that with hear, heel, sit, kennel, with pressure, the faster they comply, the faster that pressure is turned off and the faster they're getting praised. So now you're creating momentum. You're creating compulsion. You're creating a dog that wants to learn, wants to move, wants to do what I asked them to, because the pressure turns off and I praise them quickly. I, if I've got a good foundation of those obedience commands, then I apply force fetch. I feel like my learning curve on turning pressure on and off is faster. Uh, people that I respect highly, um, like Pat Burns would be an example and Ray vote, they do force fetch first and then start introducing the collar afterwards. You know, I understand why I like what they're talking about and by God, they've, they've created some really exceptional, like <laughs> not some, a ton. Yeah. <laughs> like they're renowned in the nation and worldwide for what they do. So I carry that with a grain of salt of what they've taught me and taught us on this podcast. I just like the idea of I'm getting a dog that knows Jack's diddly and I've got to put some obedience on it to be able to manage this dog. And therefore collar conditioning is a part of that. And then I force fetch. If I have a puppy from myself that I've raised well and taught well, and they know how to learn, I could see how force fetching first is not going to be a problem, but I like to collar condition first, then force fetch. What else you got big fella? We got one last one here. Uh, <laughs> what do you like better American or English labs? I like American labs. Is there a reason why? Um, all right. So that's what we have at loan doc. Yeah. They're all, but everything that I own is an American lab. 
there's British labs, there's English labs, and there's an American lab. All of them are Labrador retrievers. All of them have slightly different physical and mental characteristics in general. All of these are generals, generalizations that I'm about to make, right? So, um, in general, uh, English lab is going to be shorter, stockier, broader, um, that big block head that people talk about and that big barrel chest and shorter legs. And they look like a keg, you know, walking down the road. Right. Um, in general, those are the show dogs. Those are ones on Westminster at Thanksgiving time. So that's an English lab still can duck hunt, still can pheasant hunt, but their stamina is going to be less. And typically because they've been bred more for their looks than working capabilities, their working capabilities lack. So what they make up for in looks, their effort, enthusiasm, water ability, um, they tend to be just a hair more stubborn. Um, that's them. They're not bad dogs. They're good dogs. They tend to be a little more chill. So that's your English lab. Your British lab is dogs that are bred and whether they're straight from the UK, Ireland, Scotland, or England and brought to America, or you get one straight from there or brought to America and bred here in America, like our friends Barton at Southern Oak, you know, they're bred in America, but their whole lines from parents and grandparents and great grandparents and da 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 da's are from England, Scotland, Ireland. Okay. That's a British lab. They tend to look more like an American lab sleeker, more athletic. Um, and in that spectrum of British labs, you've got some high drive dogs and you've got some very low drive dogs, meaning that duck's too far, that water's too cold. They may not want to do it. It's a little bit too difficult for them. Pressure, mental collar, physical pressure. They don't handle as well. They're a little bit softer breed or not breed segment of the breed. Um, but then I've trained somewhere. It's not that, that way. They're super high drive ballsy and nothing's too far, too hard or collar too high to get them to do it. So you have a very wide spectrum there as well. Um, so again, I'm speaking in generalizations, but they do tend to look like an American lab, athletic, good dogs, good demeanors. We breed American and train a lot of American labs. That is where you get a little bit taller, sleeker, athletic, faster, harder charging. Uh, we focus a lot more on marking ability um, versus maybe the nose. Um, yet I've had a lot of American labs with exceptional nose capabilities and smelling. So, you know, it's, it's all what you want. It's all what you're looking for, but I prefer an American lab. So everybody, thanks for tuning in. This was a great podcast. I enjoyed sharing our experience. Get ready. We're going to have a video coming out that compiles the trials and tribulations of my Oklahoma, Texas road trip. So that'll be hitting YouTube and Instagram in the next couple of weeks. 
Um, stay tuned in the next 12 months for a book that I've been working on because I thought it would be a lot quicker, but that's not the case. But I'm excited. It's it's going to be another piece of sharing knowledge and experience and ideas that I've learned along the way to help you. Um, if you're looking for a gift idea for yourself, our Force Fetch series course is live. If you're looking to have more one-on-one help from me, hit up Patreon. Kevin and I both appreciate you very much. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Hey, patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. It's a community that we built to help you and your dog on your journey to next duck season. There's videos that don't hit YouTube. There's happy hours where we drink a couple beers and I answer your questions every other week. And by the way, if you join between now and September 1st, you're entered to win a hunt with me and Kevin and other Patreon members. So jump in. Let's go. Join the community. We appreciate it. And we'll see you there. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation, to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.